Welcome to an inspiring message from Awaken City Church. For more information about us, visit awakencity.com.au. You know, this morning I want to look at our new theme and Pastor Chris is really excited about this theme. He's really passionate about this canvas. He was planning on painting, I think, one week. No, he's not going to do that. <laughs> Someone might like to, but, you know, this idea of a canvas, he was discussing it with me and he was really excited. And um, I got excited too. I started to think, okay, yep, art, good, let's go with that. But a canvas, you know, just like human art, each piece is unique, isn't it? You know, us as human beings are unique, art is unique, but art's subjective at times. Let's be honest, isn't it? What I think is beautiful, what I think is art, you might not agree with me. So as humans, sometimes we do that to each other, don't we? We become very subjective with what we're looking at in a person. But our Scripture focus, which Pastor Chris has asked us all to look at and really pray about is Ephesians 2.10. And it looks at us being God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. Now, can I just say, this is not my message. You know how Bianca was saying before that they were doing the entree and I was doing the main? Well, actually, this is my entree to my main. Now, I don't know about you, when I go to a restaurant, I like to order an entree that's very different to my main. I don't like the food necessarily to go together. I choose something completely opposite to what I'm about to eat. Does anyone else do that? Bobby's the opposite to me. He's like, well, why don't we have oh, this, this and this? I'm like, no, that's, that's all potato. That's all carbs. You know, let's go with this first, then that. I like to break it up. <laughs> So my entree today is very small and it's different than my main. All right, so work with me. So us being God's masterpiece means that like any masterpiece, it's an outstanding work. It's the artist's favourite work. It's the one that shows the most skill. So if we look at the masters, Da Vinci is my favourite. He had the Mona Lisa in The Last Supper. They're considered his masterpieces, okay? But God doesn't just choose two or a few. He chooses all of us and says, hey, all of you are my masterpiece, which is amazing in itself. So I think we have to understand that we were created to be His best and that we weren't created to be a mistake, even though we make mistakes quite frequently. So three things I want you to grab hold of in this entree are, number one, you're God's masterpiece. That means you're His best piece of work. It doesn't mean if you don't see it or you don't like it or you don't like someone else that you can disagree because God said it, so therefore it's true. Number two, you've been created new in Jesus, so your past mistakes are gone. The shame and the pain that you carry, God doesn't see it. When He looks at a masterpiece, He's not looking at flaws. He's not looking at the brush strokes that He didn't do well. He only sees perfection in you, even though we don't see it in ourselves. Number three, He planned good things for you to do. And now's the time to do them. I believe the times we're living in now, we've got to actually put God's plans into place. Okay, we actually have to start working in those good plans that He planned for us even before we were here. Those plans were created for us way before time began. and But now is the time to actually start walking in them. Yeah. All right, so they're my three small thoughts, all right, my devotion. So I'm trying to do that. And, you know, I was looking at this idea of masterpiece. And if you go, has anyone been to, no one wants to admit this, to a psychologist? If you've gone to a psychologist, <laughs> let's just raise your hands right now. <laughs> admit you've got problems. No. But... um. If you go to a psych, they encourage you, if you've got self-esteem issues, to talk to yourself, self-talk, you know, look in the mirror, say, you are beautiful, look at you, (laughs) have a great day, you know, this sort of stuff. Talk to yourself. And we do that and it's good practice. But what God's saying here is, you can look at my Word and you can claim these Scriptures over your life. So I can say in the mirror, I am a masterpiece. I might not look like one right now, but guess what? God sees that in me. So that's um, what I've been... I'll be trying to do tomorrow morning when I look in the mirror. See how we go. 
All right, I've just done something with my, um, my computer. Oh, there we go, we're back. Right, today I want us to look at, though, this idea of church as genuine community. And I really feel imp- um, passionate about this because it's something that I have struggled to practice, if I'm honest. Pastor Chris gave me a very specific topic to preach on. And I looked at it and I thought, oh, I've really got to focus on this and follow what um, the theme is with it. So the idea of church as a genuine community is this idea that we journey together through the good times, the bad times, the hard times, the good, bad, ugly, whatever you want to call it. We talk about being a family, don't we? All churches do this. This is our church family. This is our community. This is your coming home. You can belong before you believe. Who's heard all of this before? We talk about it. We say it. And this is what the modern church does. They do it to make people feel like, hey, I can come in and feel a part of things. That's what we're trying to do here. But all these ideas actually come from way back in the Word. This is where the idea of belonging and coming home in community, it always comes back to the Word. So we really should be studying the Word on what church is, or what church should be, and how to become this genuine community. So I thought it was the best place to start, but I'm not starting at the Word, but we will get there. We always get there. But I want to look at this thought. I keep clicking on this, sorry. I'm going to get annoyed. (laughs) Technology sometimes. You know when you're like, I can't even read my notes. All right, let's go. So this thought, I read this quote and I want to see what you guys think. We'll see. The church is a community of believers in one locality who have been drawn together by their common experience of the grace of God in Jesus Christ. Christians are never called to be followers of Jesus in isolation. I like this idea of how we come together and we're called to be together. But the word community, I feel in modern day, has been reduced to like a group of friends. Okay, well, we have common interests or we like each other. So that's my community. I found my tribe. If I hear one more person say that, <laughs> gosh. This is what we do. We, we try and connect on those levels. And there's nothing wrong with having people that you have common interests and I can connect with you because we like the same things. But that's not what the real root of community actually is. I've heard people say, I don't need more friends. I don't really gel with anybody in my church or even I've got no friends in my church. We've all probably been at different parts of our lives where we've said that. But real community is a different thing. It's different than having friends, not having friends. It's different than gelling with people. So I want us to go back to this word in Greek where the word community in the Bible comes from. And it's koinonia. Koinonia sounds very Aussie, doesn't it, when I say it? (laughs) Say it with an accent. Koinonia refers to fellowship, joint participation, the share which someone has in anything. It's a gift jointly contributed, a collection, a contribution. It identifies this idealised state of fellowship and unity that should exist within the Christian church, in the body of Christ. Now, the word that stood out to me that I highlighted was this idea of joint participation. That's what community actually is. That it implies that participation in our church services, in our community, is meant to be shared. So it shouldn't be the same people serving every week. It shouldn't be the same people preaching, singing, out in kids' church, whatever it is. We're all sharing this part to be part of a bigger community than ourselves. This word koinonia does not just have one meaning though. What's interesting about it, it combines understanding of the word fellowship, the word community, and even the word communion. Koinonia is a super word. So it comes together with all these words that we understand and it becomes this one word that means so many different things. So when you say church is community, church is complex because community is complex. It's not just one thing. There's not one ingredient that I can say, this is church, this is community. I've got to bring it all together. We need to bring it all together because it's more than just us. 
So this is why when people say I do church at home by myself, it doesn't cut it. You can't be a community of one. You can't. It's just you <laughs> on your lonesome. <laughs> but it's also true for those that come in and out on a Sunday, don't serve and don't interact with others. That's going to a church service. That's not community. Harsh, I know, but true. Isn't it good? <laughs> you know, some of us don't need more friends, but all of us need more community. Big people of a like mind who don't let us get distracted. So community means we are of a like mind and we are going towards the same goal. And my friends are going to say to me in church, community, don't be distracted, Kama. Stay on that path. What are you doing, Kama? This is what their role is. A few weeks ago, Fridge gave me a word and he said, I don't know why I'm saying this, but I feel to say to you, don't be distracted. And I walked away and I thought, why? What? Yeah, I don't know, I'm not distracted, am I? But let me tell you, preparing for this word, I was the most distracted I've ever been. Bobby said, are you procrastinating? Yes, I am. I was like chatting and then I was doing this and I was tidying. My house has never been so clean. I did everything to get out of prep and I was preparing slowly back and forward, back and forward. And I could feel myself being distracted. And when you sit down to do a word and you see your shoes, oh, I better go put them away. You know, like stupid things. That's what I was doing. But what community means is they prompt you not to be distracted. They say, oh, where were you on Sunday? Or we missed you. This is what community encourages. How can we claim to love Jesus if we don't love His body? We don't love being a part of church, community. How can we claim that? Because Jesus died for the church. All of this to say though, church isn't just one thing. Like I said, it's made up of so many things. It isn't just the service on a Sunday. It isn't just us as people. It even isn't just us doing life together weekly. It's made up of a lot. So this week I watched a sermon. I wasn't distracted. This was actually a relevant study. Francis Chan. Now he does a sermon on church. Now he has some radical ideas now on church. We'll see. But he did start this sermon. It was amazing. He asked this question to people. He says, describe church using just the Bible from the, from the Word only. Not your experiences, not what you've been a part of, but if you just had to look at what church was in the context of the Word, what would you say? So I did my own little thing and sent out mess, messages to people to ask them the question. So I asked people who have been long-standing members in our church, leaders in our church. Now, to be honest, these people are all different genders. They come from different backgrounds, um, different jobs, different times in the church, maturity levels even. So I wanted to see what people would say. The most interesting thing I found was that nobody gave me the same answer. Not one person gave me the same scripture or the same answer. There were some common themes, but they were quite varied on what people thought the word said church could look like. Guess what? None of them were wrong. None of them were wrong theologically or, or biblically unsound at all. They were all correct. They were all backed up by the scripture, but they were different. I thought, isn't that weird how we all have this different understanding and we come together? And that's the importance of coming together with our different understandings from the Word and making sure church happens for us all. So do you want me to read you some people's replies? Yeah, yeah you can't say no, can you? <laughs> so my first, my first person, I did say they'd stay anonymous. See if you can um, find out who they are. So this first person said, I think church should be a shining example of how Christians live their everyday life. So example, holy living. Like we come into church all battered and bruised and over time, God transforms us into His holy likeness. And we become very different people to outside of church culture by how we live. It's a good definition, isn't it? So holy living, this person was really focused on that. And can I just say that each person that sent me these replies gave me a scripture to back it up, but we won't have time to go through all of those. 
The next one, I like the thought that Jesus was always busy, but He never rushed. He sat with people and had genuine relationship, but was extremely productive in His work for God in the short years of the Gospel. So this idea of Jesus being not being busy, but not rushed, actually working in the Gospel, but being with people. It's a good one. Next one, my first thoughts are, by this year, all men shall know you're my disciples if you have love for one another. I think church should really, really be a shining example of real, unconditional, in all seasons, love for each other. It's good. This idea of loving people through all seasons is an important one. Next one, they worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity from the Word, obviously. Meeting together on a Sunday, but also gathering together throughout the week. It's community where everyone loves God and walks together in unity for a greater purpose. Isn't that a great idea of, of combining the two, becoming this community, common unity with each other? This person sent me a huge Scripture and they just put their own thought in one, one line. Church is where we get equipped to go into the world. I like that, equipping. That's what we're here to do, equip people to succeed out there. Next one, this guy sent me an article. He linked it and everything. And he said, it summarises my thoughts. <laughs> Such a male. <laughs> here you go, read the, read the article. I don't need to talk anymore. But he did, he did. He did, I shouldn't say that. He said, meeting together. Now, this article said about meeting together every day, how they did that in the Word. He said, that was my favourite point. Having meals, finding a way to support each other and being the church every day. Not always possible to meet daily, but what are other ways we can encourage people daily at least? I like that idea of encouragement daily. You might not be able to physically meet with someone, but hey, you can encourage, you can send a message, can't you? This one, my immediate thoughts from the Bible is that the church is a gathering of people, the bride of Christ. Jesus died and laid down His life for His bride because He loves the church. We call the church a building, but we the people are the church. The gathering of worshippers of Jesus within a building or a tent, it's what makes the church. So the people are what make it is what He's saying. Last couple. I've been looking at the word Ebenezer. It's all about how the Israelites would set up a stone in a place which represented what God had done, a stone of help or thanks. That's what I see church representing today, a physical stone which represents people who gather to give thanks for what God has done and seek His help to live life. Isn't that a beautiful picture of what we are, the living stones in the community? Yeah, excellent, isn't it? Last one, this person gave me two really good ones. So number one, being the church in our everyday week. So community in the Great Commission. Number two, strengthening and edifying each other in faith as we gather together on Sundays or connect. So we can be strengthened to be the church in our everyday week. So this idea of, of it being twofold, isn't it? Out during the week and in on a Sunday. But Francis Chan made this point. So he went through all these responses with people. But he said, the problem is we make this beautiful dish of spaghetti, spaghetti bolognese, which most people love. And we open up our Word and we realise that God was asking for steak all along. So what he's saying is there's nothing wrong with spaghetti bolognese. We love it, it's enjoyable. But is it what God asked you for? Did the Word ask you to make church a certain way or is it just things you like? So at home, when I make spaghetti bolognese, it's a favourite. My family love it. But Bobby loves mushrooms, doesn't love any other veggies, mind you. And it, mushrooms, I think it's because they're the closest to meat. <laughs> I really am convinced that's the only reason he loves them. But Bobby believes mushrooms belong in everything because he loves them so much. So when I make spaghetti, he says, put mushrooms in. <laughs> now, I like mushrooms. I like them. I don't love them. I don't think they belong in spaghetti bolognese, though. My kids hate them and don't think they belong anywhere. 
So can you see where I'm going with this? I could add them. Bobby would love them. I could add them. I would tolerate them and, you know, they were okay. My kids wouldn't eat them at all. So this recipe that is yummy, that some people like, is good, but it doesn't mean everything belongs in it, Bobby. (laughs) It doesn't mean all your likes are going to happen at church on a Sunday. So you might come and go, oh, I'm not a fan of that song. Or why is that person doing the word again? Why is she up there with that green dress on? (laughs) Do you see what I'm saying though? Church is not made up only of our likes. It's not the perfect recipe of what we always would like it to be. But if we base it on the Word, guess what? It lines up with what God wants it to be. And over time, He softens our heart and community happens. So I'm challenging that narrative. Church shouldn't always be what you like. It shouldn't be a, a, like a horror show, let me tell you. Like, it shouldn't be like hating it. But what I'm saying is there are gonna be elements that maybe aren't your thing. So when I looked at the responses we went through and I looked at the Word, I've come up with four areas that I believe church should be made up of to become genuine community. The four things to focus on. It's not exhaustive by any means because like I said, this idea of church and community is a huge concept and it takes time and culture to change things, doesn't it? To change things that have been happening. But number one, I think this is a start for us to work with, is love. So we need to focus on love and be like a family which means people who are in love with each other. Now, you might say, I'm not in love with my family. (laughs) That's a bit sad, but you know, that happens. But think about when you fell in love for the first time and you loved that person so much you wanted to be with them all the time, that you were happy to say nice things to them, that you saw the best in them, that you made meals and you did special things, that everything was about being in love with that person. This is the type of love the church community needs to exist for, that we care for each other so much, that we are in love with the people in our church that walk alongside us, which is not an easy feat. So the first Scripture I'm gonna give you is from John. And it says this, and now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I've loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. So partly we're loving people for the sake of it, but we're also trying to prove something out there that we're doing it for a reason. Jesus said this to His disciples though when He was preparing for His death. So if you read the verses before, you'll see that Jesus served the disciples by washing their feet. Now washing feet was something that a Lord, a teacher, someone in high power did not do. It was for the lower class. And Peter, he argues the toss. It's always Peter, right? There's Peters in every group. They're like, I'm not doing that. How could I do that, Lord? You know, you are teacher, you are Lord. I won't allow it. But Jesus says, no, it's because of that that I need to do this for you. Because in doing it, I'm gonna teach you to go and wash others' feet. So he sets this example. He knows that he won't be here much longer, but he's setting an example for his disciples so they learn how to love their community well. This is what Jesus has set for us. So we have to do the same, to love others well. And in turn, they will love others well. It's like the domino effect. Washing feet was symbolic of the service that comes out of love for people. That's what it did for those disciples. We see in the Word and in people's ideas that we've read before, this idea of the good news. And I think that's our second point, a focus of getting the good news out to people you know, the Great Commission, that our job as a church is introducing people to Jesus. We have to take that very seriously. And you know, in Matthew, Jesus comes, I'm gonna read it to you quickly. He tells His disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and in earth. Therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptising them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure to do this. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. 
Firstly, when I go on Bible Gateway, I love it. You know, you're researching a verse and it says at the bottom, read full chapter. It gives you that prompt. Don't take this out of context. Read it, read it in full. So I did that. And and I was grateful because this verse here comes from the resurrected Jesus. He's gone through so much and He's there waiting for the disciples. They follow Him. They go to this place in the mountain, but they're a mixed bag at this point. Some of them don't know if it really is Him. They're really confused about what's happening. And the Great Commission comes out of them, out of His mouth. This is what they get, the download they get. The Great Commission then becomes one of the biggest used Scriptures across the global church to use for people to make disciples. But here's the part we need to focus on right now. True community and church will grab hold of not just going out, not just evangelising in missions or in our local area, but they will teach them to obey the Word. This is the part we forget. We're like, let's get souls saved and then see ya. It's not good enough anymore. We're supposed to be discipling people and teaching them how to obey the Word because a lot of people can't do that for themselves when they first get saved. It is vital. Our church community needs to be taught how to do this well. We need to start teaching others how to obey the Word and to be sure to do it with Jesus. Because when Jesus is at the centre, like I've said, it's easy to start obeying things that He said when we put Him there first. Christianity has stood over the test of time. The church has been around for thousands of years. Why is that? Because the truth of Jesus does not change. You know, church, how we do things, culture changes, but the truth in the Word doesn't change. So these commandments that He said, please obey them, they haven't changed. We can teach what we did yesterday, last year, thousands of years ago, the Word remains. And that's an important constant for us as church community to rely on. Number three, they gathered. Here's an important one, gathering. But when they gathered, they focused on the body of Jesus. They focused on doing communion and praying for each other. The gatherings weren't just purely social. They weren't just, oh yeah, let's get together and share a meal for the sake of it. They were praying, they were doing communion, they were talking about issues in the day. They were really doing community well. And it says in Acts that all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and prayer. That's really important. And that's in verse 42. I'm not gonna go down. I was gonna read 43 to 47. But what it's saying is, When we look at Acts 2, if we go back right to the beginning of it, it says that all the believers were gathered together in one place. So it was a corporate worship like church on a Sunday. So even back then we say, oh, they did home church. Yeah, they did, but they also gathered together corporately in the synagogue. That was very important also because they would receive explicit teaching from people who had studied the Word. And then they would go out into their homes and teach others and have meals. So I'm Challenging this idea of it's either one or the other. Connect groups. Oh, being in the community is important. Oh, church is not, you know, that important on a Sunday. Let's bring them both together and say true community means, hey, I come on a Sunday, I receive my download, I learn, then I go out and I teach it to others. The idea of it all, of us all coming together a whole is vital for community because guess what happened in those verses after they came together? Pentecost happened. 3,000 people were added to the church community just on that day when the church gathered together. So the filling of the Holy Spirit happens when we come and we devote time to coming as a corporate service. Do not underestimate your Sunday service and the power and the anointing that comes from setting aside your couple of hours to do it. After this, it goes down before what I read, the title goes on to say that the believers form a community. So before that, I don't know what these people were. But after that, 
they decided to form a community. And the community meant they started meeting in homes and praying for each other and practising communion and doing all these great things. I don't know what changed, to be honest, but I do know that after receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit, things changed, that their community changed. It's amazing when you think about that. So this Scripture right here embodies church as true community. So it encourages us to meet, to pray for people when they're struggling, to share a meal. And because of that, people started to be added daily to the church. So when you're running a connect, when you're meeting together weekly, don't underestimate the power of that either. The people will be added to this corporate body because of what you do in the week. True community though, journeying together takes time, takes resources and it takes character. It is not for the faint hearted. I really truly believe that. It means sharing your common interests when you can, trying to find something to get in common with people. And sometimes you'll say, I've got nothing. Guess what you've got? Jesus. (laughs) If nothing else, talk about Him. (laughs) Find that connection. If you love Jesus and they love Jesus, guess what? That's a common interest. We can talk about it together because He brings us all together. That's why we're here on a Sunday, isn't it? At the end of the day. But true community can be scary for some. And I wanna acknowledge that because there are people who've been hurt by corporate church, by this idea of a formal service. And then there's people who are the opposite who don't know how to do community. It's never been practised for them. And I'll put my hand up and say I'm a learner in that area of community and a slow one at that, I think. I find it easy to come to church on a Sunday, to serve, to talk to people. I've done it all my life. So it's, it's practised for me. It's routine almost. But when I have to open my home and my heart and, and invite people in, that's a different story. I have to be a little bit more vulnerable then and that's hard for me. But yet I've talked to friends who are the exact opposite. Coming to church on a Sunday is a hard practice. They don't feel at home, but yet they can open their home to anybody and they can encourage people and run connect groups well. So I think all of us have to acknowledge that we either do one or the other really well and the other one needs a bit of practice, a bit of work. So like I said at the beginning, we're looking at the plans that God made for us long ago. And God had plans for each one of you. And if you don't know where to start, look at the Word. If you don't know how to do community or the plans, look at the Word and see how it was done there and use it in everyday life. Jesus told us and He showed us how He wants us to live. That's what He did. His example was already set for us. There's nothing in the Word that is ambiguous about who Jesus was as a man and as Son of God. But it doesn't mean it's gonna be easy. Side note, talking to your spouse about sermon thoughts is an interesting exercise. So when I talked to Bobby, him and I, <laughs> different wavelengths sometimes, we were talking about this idea of discussing with you guys the benefits of church community. So Bobby said to me, you need to tell people why you should do it, what, how, you know, what you're gonna get from it. I said, no, I'm sick of this, this modern idea that I'm only gonna do something if I know what I'm gonna get out of it. So I said, no, you know, Gee, that's Jesus. What did I say here? I've got it here. People should do it because they want to be more like Jesus. There's your motivation. That's what I said. But aren't you glad, aren't you glad I don't get up and speak to you like? <laughs> so I went away and I thought about what he said and I realised, I realised this, what a great point I'd made. <laughs> I haven't changed my mind. I, you know what? No, can I say why? You can search the Word. You can find out the benefits of community. We all know it benefits us to have human being interaction. We know that. That's not what I'm here to do. I'm not a motivational speaker. Like if you do this, you're gonna get that. What I'm gonna tell you is if you practise genuine community, you will become more like Jesus. And that is your motivation. And that's the only motivation I need to come here on a Sunday to text someone for a meal, to ask someone how they are. Jesus is my motivation. 
That's it for me. So I'm, I'm, I'm keeping it simple. And if I search the Word and I truly want to be Jesus, I realise that this journey will never be solo. That Jesus had people around Him, He drew people to Him. So community is the most important thing that I'm focusing on right now. Last one, as the team come up. There was equipping and training that took place. That church and community means that you must be equipped and trained in that environment. We are not a social club. We equip people to work in their gifts. So the gifts that Christ gave the church, you know, the apostles, the pastors, the evangelists, prophets and teachers, their job is to equip you to go out and do life well. As a community though, we are responsible to participate in this equipping of saints. It's not just up to the leaders or the people that are on that front row. We all have a responsibility to start participating in this equip. And, you know, we all have gifts that we can share with others. This verse says, though, to be mature in the Lord means we'll be unified in our knowledge of Jesus. So if you want to be truly spiritually matured, get into unity with fellow believers and make sure we're on the same path of who Jesus is. That if apostles, prophets, pastors, all of those equipped people, guess what? They can become more Christ-like and we keep building the church. That people don't just come in the door and leave once they get saved. Or yeah, I'm a mature Christian, I'm gonna go elsewhere. That this church is gonna be filled to overflowing because it's built on Christ and people are flourishing in their gifts. People don't wanna be part of a church community because we're like a social club, a sports club, a friendship group. The people I talk to who are unchurched that come here are looking for something more. They want something different. They can become part of a footy club quite easily now. They can go to the pub and do a quiz night. Not Nothing against ugly sweater night. But what I'm saying is, <laughs> wrong analogy, just that one. What I'm trying to say to you is, we must be different. We have to offer people more. And the more is Jesus. It's always centred around Him and His life. So can I encourage you as you go out into the week, think about that. Think about this idea of what am I doing to be part of this community? Am I in a shared participation with my church family? Do I come on a Sunday ready to be a part of things? Or have I moved back and am I disconnected from what's going on? As we move forward as a church, community will be our greatest strength because we come together with unity. So I'm encouraging you guys to do that. So let's do it. Let's do it, hey? Yes. I said in the pulpit meeting, I was going to say, let's do it, hey. And everyone was like, yeah, well, like, yeah. I didn't even get it. I didn't get my cheer, Greg. Greg was going to cheer. Now he looks so excited as well. <laughs> so anyway, can I encourage you to do it? It's really, really important. Now the band are going to start playing as I talk. You know what? <laughs> I don't think they're doing anything I say today. <laughs> you know, God is so good and I'm very thankful that I get the opportunity to be here each week with you, that I'm learning constantly and I hope you feel the same. I hope you feel the presence of God as you go out onto your Monday and your Tuesday, that your week is good because you dedicated your Sunday to Him, that you feel blessed and and revitalised. Thanks for listening to this message. We hope it has blessed you. If you would like to find out more about Awaken City Church, visit awakencity.com.au.